Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. All right, welcome to the podcast. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste any time today. Hi, Jared. Got, I got some things to say. Get right Hi, to it, Jordan Bohannon. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. I'm breathing. I'm alive. What more can you ask for? I appreciate the fact that my positivity on Saturday during the first half of the game has worn off. Uh, appears to have worn off on you. Now, dude, I'm literally t- trying to talk shit to you, and then you come back with this philosophical bullshit. I'm like, oh my gosh! Now I feel like a giant ass to even trying to talk shit to you on Twitter. Oh, don't, dude, don't get me wrong. It was, it was definitely, it was hitting. I was just trying to stay calm. You know, I, yeah. I've gotten old now to where I don't get fired up like that anymore. There was a day though you could have gotten under my skin like that. There was a day too. I know. I, I mean, you said that, but I don't know what to. How do I even go about that next reply to you or even trying to – do I continue talking shit? Or I mean, I just... yeah, you can – hey, you can keep trying it, man, but it's going to take a while, I think, for you to, to crack through and find what's really going to get to me. Uh, but, no, it, uh, it was a fun game, though. I think even though uh, it was a chaotic game and it was uh, probably not the most aesthetically pleasing game, once the rain started coming down, that just felt like a perfect way for that game to end. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. I don't know. What did you think? I mean, I'm sure you probably I, didn't have as much fun, but. I thought the first, I mean, there's a lot of weird turnovers to say, to say the least. Um, I'm trying to think it was the first quarter or early in the second quarter when you guys had the ball on the end zone and just had a terrible fumble. That yeah. You guys should have easily scored there. Um, but I don't know, like Peters had a poor game. I mean, we kind of were expecting that after how he started in the first week, but again, I just think the offensive line just spot up like the fumble he had in the first half, he had no time to do anything with the ball. Um, there's no receivers really right now that he can really throw to. They couldn't run the ball. Yeah, they can't run the ball. I mean, it's just, it was everything that can go wrong for the Iowa offense this year has gone wrong so far. And there's a couple guys sitting out. Right. Um, that are injured as well so it's just I, it might be one of those years but also you look back at last year they didn't they didn't do that bad for the offensive woes they had last year as well so maybe they can figure something out with their defense just continue to progress every week that you know the defense can continue by them games to you know being top in the league like they were last year so i mean we're just gonna have to see iowa state played really well though they they did everything they should have done i mean they had a couple of mistakes here or there but um, I thought their defense was very, very, very good for um, playing inside Kinnick. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of, oh, I, I buried the lead. George Niang, uh, former Iowa State Cyclone, is going to join us uh, here sometime in the next probably ten or fifteen minutes or so, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit uh, Cyhawk with him. I'm sure he'll have some things to to say to you, Jordan. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually positive of that, but. Uh, no man, I could tell. I could tell that the tenor of the game and like the entire vibe of everything had drastic had drastically shifted. It was like second and one, kind of early in the fourth quarter after Iowa State had gone on that that long touchdown drive, and Iowa tried to run a reverse on yeah. second and one and like failed at it epically, and that was the point where I was like, man. I think that they might like really be grasping for straws of what to try and do right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was where I kind of had some confidence that they were going to be able to win the game, despite some craziness at the very end of it. Uh, that was just weird and chaotic, like I said, but man, I don't know, like I, that game to me, not even from a, you know, you take the rivalry aspect out of it and things like that. Like the last several years for Iowa state's program have been about, uh, learning how to win and like learning how to handle being successful and things like that. And more than it's about like, we're going to try and go win championships. Obviously they played for a big 12 title that, that one year, but that game to me was where it's like, man, I think that these guys like expect to win regardless of what happens, you know? And, and I'm sure you, you know, when you guys had your rough couple years to start your career and then you it flipped, you know, where you 
it's not just like, man, we're trying to learn how to win. And like every game, it's like, we're just trying to be able to win. No, you like go into it. It's like, no, we think we're actually going to win and here's how we're going to go and do it. And then no matter what happens in the game, you're able to stay confident and keep playing, you know? And that was like that moment to me where it's like, they kind of got over that hill where they beat every team in the big 12 in the last several years. Now they've beat Iowa and everybody that Iowa state has played for the most part, they've been able to beat unless they played them in a bowl game or something like that. So that's why it just felt significant. I think for Iowa state's program, as much as it was just about that one individual game in my mind. Yeah. That kind of brings me back to my freshman and sophomore year, those two years you were talking about. I mean, we, we were decent my freshman year and then sophomore year. Uh, we just had a lot of, a lot of guys that just didn't flow well together and it's just the chemistry wasn't there. And um, I remember my junior year, once we got my junior summer going to my junior year in that summer, that was kind of the first time I kind of spoke up and it was like, Hey, I'm tired of being like underdogs here. Like we need to, we have the talent here that we should go into every game, go into every arena expecting to win. And I think that mentality that you're talking about, Jared is, you know, I think sometimes it helps being underdogs to have that edge, but man, when you have that mindset of every time you go into this place, every time you go against this team that you're expecting to win every single possession, you're expecting to dominate that it kind of creates that more motivation for you and more chemistry, mm-hmm. um, that, that morale around the team to kind of really power through those games and like winning at Kinnick is not easy right. for them to do that after, I think it was a six year drought. They haven't, I would say hasn't won. Yeah. Well, and turning the ball over five times, exactly. you exactly. know, like yeah. everything that could go wrong for you did, you exactly. know, yep. and it's where, uh, you know, it's just kind of cool because you think back about this like last group of guys like Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and all those guys that were so good for Iowa State. They were the ones that had to go through the period of like trying to learn how to win. And then their senior year, they come into it and they're really hyped and they brought everybody back and all that stuff. And then they weren't all of a sudden when they stopped being the underdog, it was really hard for them to flip that switch, you know, to just being the people who expected to win. And I think that this group of guys, there's enough new ones, you know, that they don't, they get into those moments and they don't even think about the bad things that have ever happened, you know? And that's where this, I think can even take us into our, another conversation we're going to have about Scott Frost in Nebraska. Cause I think this is something that at Nebraska that you see where the players on the field just have no confidence. So the second that one thing goes wrong, everything falls apart, you know, and it's because, and it becomes a snowball effect of like, Oh man, I threw an interception. And then, you know, the defense comes out, they're in a tough position. They're like, man, fuck the offense. They put us in a bad position and all those kinds of things. And there's no trust there, you know, but like, as you develop that trust and then as you like build that bond with all of each other, then you go into it. And it's like, all we know is winning from Iowa State's perspective. Those guys have never had a losing season. And it's like, now you kind of can turn the page as a program to where you hope that that's like the mentality, not trying to be the underdogs that are chasing people all the time, you know, to where you can maintain some consistent success. In games like this, when they when the, you when you have a game and you win at a big time arena like Kinnick and you're playing in a rivalry game, this game can be like a a a not only a person individually wise how they solidify their legacies individually wise, but also as a team wise and moving their program in a different direction. Because obviously, when you lose six years in a row to uh, you know in state team that has this rivalry that's so important to the state. And they're able to get past that, not only getting past it, but also beating an away game at, at the opposing team's place. That just goes leaps and bounds for the rest of the season and rest of the you know, rest of their careers as well, that they have this all this confidence that, hey, we just did this last year. We just did this last week. So we have the confidence to do whatever we can t- into the upcoming weeks. And uh, I think, you know, going to that Nebraska, that team, that they really haven't had that that that, that pro, that's been a, a a problem these last few years they haven't had mm-hmm. that signature game that they're able to like okay we can compete with these teams we can continue to win at these arenas and i think iowa state doing that this last weekend is gonna be huge for all the players on that team shit i'll never forget man when uh the moment that i was like man we got to take these guys seriously with like your team was when when monte and them went over there and, and lost to you guys and that was the moment where it was like okay there might be something going on here you know, and before that, not that we like didn't take you seriously or anything like that. You guys were just young. Like we didn't know you. We didn't know anything about you or what you guys were going to be like. And uh, that was like, yeah, that was kind of what you're saying. It's like that moment, even though it was in it was in Iowa City. It was one of those moments where it's like, oh, man, that's like a signal to people. You know, you win this game. It means that you're probably pretty legit, you know. Yeah. 
I do have a story. I remember we, my, that was my freshman year. I remember, yeah. uh, they had a really good, I would say had a really good team that year. Um, I think they ended up making, it was a sweet 16 that year or something or No, maybe. they lost a heartbreaker to Purdue in the, uh, in the round of 30. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But they had a really great team, you know, obviously Monte being Monte. Uh, I remember, you know, it was the night before the game, actually, wait, I want to say it was before the it was before the Notre game or after the Notre Dame. I think we played Notre Dame before we played them. I have to look back. But it was a couple of days before the game, and I saw Monte slid into one of my comments on my Instagram post. Oh, jeez! It, it, it was just a picture of me and Christian Williams. I said two PGs or something like that. Just a typical caption, and he replied, he, he replied like seventeen laughing emojis on my Instagram post. So I'm like, okay, this is gonna be. I, I'm, I was like starting to get like a grasp of this rivalry. I was like, okay, yeah. this is going to be like a big time game. This is like the game of the year. So when I saw that, I remember being like on the court and I remember the ball being tipped. And first of all, I was like, holy shit, I'm playing against these guys. Like this, I remember watching this, this shit on, on TV, like how crazy is probably. Right. I remember last year when Utah had 31 points a half and you know, there's a buzzer beater to you guys knock us off um, Utah and all those guys. So I'm like, this is this is huge. So I remember, <laughs> I remember when we beat them, and like our whole team was like going crazy in the comments. Like we had Iowa fans all over in the Instagram posts. Like it was, it's really cool. But that's what makes rivalry so great. I think when we have Niang coming on here, we'll talk about that a little more. But I, I just love the Seahawk rivalry. The fact that you can kind of poke fun like that at other people, it, it's it's glorious. Well, and I remember too after the game, uh, I think Monte said something about how they know that they would beat you nine times out of 10 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Man, it was we, some... we won by like 15 or something. Well, I know. Like that's, and that's where and, – and they had not been playing well. No. Like those couple weeks before that, you know. And it was – that team took some time to kind of gel together after George left. And yeah. by the end of the year, like you were saying, like that, that was a damn good team. Won the Big 12 tournament. Won a bunch of their games right at the end of the season. I want to say like seven of eight or something like that. And then they – uh Dude, that game they played against Purdue. Did you played against Caleb Swanigan, right? Yeah, we we actually beat them that year at, at Carver. That was a huge win for us because they had a Caleb Swanigan is God he rest was, his he soul. Was a problem. Yeah, Sorry, rest in yeah, peace to him. Yeah, he was a very he was a very great dude too. Very great off the court. I remember him coming up to me before the game, and I was like scared shitless of him because he's just oh, he's huge individual. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then was, they had uh, who was the other guy? Isaac Haas. They had yeah, him Isaac too. Haas. They had uh, Edwards. Two Edwards. Yep. I think that was Carson. And I think then, me and Carson um, in the first year too. Who was yeah. the the Thompson PG Thompson? He was the white shooter. Oh, Matthias. Yeah, yeah, Dakota Matthias. Yeah. We had a running joke on the Iowa team that because after our sophomore year or after we played them, we played them twice my freshman year, if I do remember correctly, and we played them at um, when we played them at Mackey. I mean, that place is just unbelievably loud. But they went off. They, I think they beat us by thirty or something. And um, Matthias said, "Is like, that the bury the tape night? The one when you guys didn't even watch no, the tape no, you were talking no, about? No, 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 no. That okay. was the next year when we played them. <laughs> 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 they went off on us twice. Okay, but they had like eighteen threes again on on us, and it was a running like joke. Like, man, this Dakota Matthias. I've never I've never seen him miss a three ever in our in our lives. Like, we just kept saying that in the locker room the entire season. And I, I swear to God, I don't think I ever saw that dude miss a three on TV. I I, think I'm he... curious. To see, he he might have gone off in that game. I would have to go back and look at it. The thing I always I'll never forget about that game was that uh I mean Iowa State's team that year was small. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of their problem the whole year was that they they couldn't figure out a way to be able to play with all those guards. And it was like going into the game, it's like this is the perfect opportunity for them to go five guards, spread the floor, make them guard you, you know, make yeah. Swanigan come out of the paint, make Isaac Haas come out there and guard somebody. And, dude, they tried to, like, match him physically for the entire first half of the game, and they were down, like, 15 points. You can't match like, physicality no, against Purdue. Exactly. And I was I was sitting there. I'm like, dude, put Deontay Burton at the five and let him drive Caleb Swanigan all damn night, you know. And they finally did that in the second half, and I think Deontay Burton scored, like, 25 points the second half of the game and, and had a crazy dunk right at the end. And then Iowa State didn't get a rebound on a free throw, and that's how they lost the game. Fran on our scouting report, he said he comes in and we're going over Monte. Then DeAndre Burton was the next player. He goes, Burton drives 
sun rises in the east, sun rises in the west, burns driving left. That's all he said about it. And then we moved to the next guy. <laughs> so our whole game, we're pushing him literally. Like I don't know if you remember. Like if you watch highlights, we're literally pushing him to the yeah. right side all game. He couldn't finish with the right. Nobody hand. else figured that out apparently because he was awesome that year. I mean, well, same was, thing with Brockington this yeah. last year. He went left every time, every yeah. time. Great and, player, phenomenal player, but guys, he didn't have a right hand. Let's be dude, honest. Dude, but here. that was what made that was honestly what made watching him on like a nightly basis and going and watching him play live kind of in, incredible and fun to watch. You know, like in a in his own way was that everyone knew what spots he wanted to get to every time he touched the basketball. And he still got there and then he made tough shots on top of it, you know? Yeah. And that was when I was like, I was like, damn, this dude is legit. And I don't know if you saw, he just signed a two way with the Pelicans uh, yeah, the other day. That's awesome. Congrats yeah, to him. That's huge. And I, that was what was cool was because I didn't know he could do that coming from Penn state, you know, like yeah. I didn't know that he had that ability to, to create for himself by getting to this places that he wanted. He was just strong and he could just really knock down the shots when he got where he needed to go. Yeah. And I, I mean, we literally, that was our main goal that game and, I don't know, remember who was on him, and he went left the entire game. And we're just like, fuck, if we're not even following those simple scouting reports details, we were going to lose by 20. That's what happened. I know uh, uh, you said Caleb Swanigan was, was scary when you met him. Uh, I know basketball players don't usually want to admit they're scared of people. Who was the most terrifying player you played against in college, though? The one that you're just like, this guy's going to eat us alive or eat me alive? I have two. The first one um, – what was his name at Penn? I'm completely drawing a blank. Big guy at Penn State had the mustache. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yes, I know who you're talking about. What and he would name? wear like the wristbands too. Like yeah. he just looked like an old school player. He was huge. This is going to piss me off. I'm, I'm, go- I'm searching it. Yeah. Uh, I'm no, having a complete him. mental breakdown over here. No, I'll find him. I, I got this. He was there last year, right? Yeah. Um, Two years ago. He wasn't there last year. Okay, so it wasn't the white. It wasn't uh Mike Watkins. Yeah, Mike Watkins. Yeah. So yeah. the first the first thing I'll say about him, then I'll move to the second person. We played Penn State my freshman year, um, or it was sophomore year I think at home, and I remember doing our line our stretching, and I'm like, holy shit, this dude is fucking massive, and he walks by me. He literally taps. I'm not even joking. He taps me on the shoulder and goes, "Hi, Jordan. Nice to meet you. I'm Mike." I'm like, what is going on here? This dude is the nicest guy ever. He's really a gentle giant. And ended up being like, he was, I mean, we became kind of decent friends through the years because how many times we played against each other. But that was one. Two is Cumberland from uh, um, Cincinnati. You played in my junior year. And oh, yeah. Jerron, uh, Jerron Cumberland, right? I, or something yeah, like that. I, I, if you, I looked at his tattoos and like, oh my, I was looking for tattoos on his face, like a little teardrop yeah. on, under his eye. He's one of, yeah. Was, Jerron Cumberland. What, he was, I feel like he was a bucket getter, wasn't he? Oh my God. He had an ugly ass shot, but man, he was, he was violent. 15.5. Yeah. He, he was tough. I do remember yeah. him. Mike Watkins though. He was a dog. I remember <laughs> he, was, he was the same thing, dude. Every time that it was like you said with Dakota Mathias, every time I tune on a turn on a Penn State game, I mean I wasn't watching Penn State all the time, but it was like anytime that I, they're playing whoever that you turn it on and he's just out there getting boards, like being a, a dude, you know. And then yeah. you look at his numbers, it's like for his career he averaged nine and eight, you know. I he should have been like a 15, the, 15 guy. Right. I apparently saw every single one of Mike Watkins' greatest games <laughs> that he ever played. Um, uh, always on like a Wednesday night on BTN. Yeah, Harar like last year. He he's literally. I think he was in the Navy for two years and transferred to Penn State or something. He was oh, a big geez. guy for Penn State. He was just unbelievably. I mean, he got. I think he averaged like fourteen rebounds last year. Yeah, like unbelievable stat. Man, all right. Let's talk about Scott Frost. We kind of breezed over it, uh, but what did you uh, what do you think of here? First, I'll ask you this: What do you think of him being fired? two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season. If you're a player on that team, what do you think you're feeling at this point? Well, I before I look at it from a player perspective, I'm looking at it over as like just an outsider perspective here that I think, I mean, I, I'm, I guess this is a conspiracy maybe, but I think he meant to lose that game so he could get a full buyout. Is that, is that bad to say? Uh, I mean, I guess I don't know. It's not bad to say. I guess it couldn't be proven wrong. I've heard you a lot of I mean? things about him. Yeah. I've heard yeah. 
I think there's a lot there. That's the crazy thing. I bet somebody could write a book about this, about that tenure. The number of things that I've like just heard rumblings of it over the years, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, I don't even the right way to put it. A lack of accountability, I think in a lot of ways with different things. Like you hear people, media people over at Nebraska talk about how he would be late to practice. He would be late to, uh, meetings he wouldn't show up to things prepared he would like miss recruiting calls okay jared I, how how the fuck can you be late to nebraska there, what, there's nothing to that's do that's what nebraska. i just wanted to say there's I'm, nothing to do in nebraska how do you be late to your own practice what are you doing what i want to say is the fact the thing that makes me more sick it's not that someone would do that not that a football coach would do that like it is what it is if a football coach is like that it's it's lazy and like that's what would kind of make me mad about it it's more annoying from an outsider's perspective. I think that like they allowed it to happen and let him coach there for five years. If all of these things were going on, you know, and there's people like there, people have said that like assistant coaches are going to the athletic director and complaining that he's doing these things. And like, that's where I sit here. and, And so I sit there and say, why didn't you fire him three years ago? Then if these kinds of things are happening, if this is what's, uh, being a lot like, that's just as, it makes a lot more sense why his football teams lost the way they did. Clearly, they the weren't savior. being prepared. Like he was yeah. going to be the savior. Like how do you how do you miss that bad? Is I mean they have good play. It's not like they have bad. They have they have good recruiting classes coming in too. It's not like he's a bad recruiter. Yeah, and I mean, clearly they're not that far from winning. I mean, they if, the, every hey, game is close. If you, you lose to Georgia Southern, you're you're not close to winning. I don't well, care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying though i mean every game they would play would be close that's true yeah last you know? year was really yeah and it was like clearly they're on some level competitive you know they're good enough to be competitive and if you're good enough com- to be competitive you're good enough to win every once in a while and they weren't even winning every once in a while at this point uh was that video him sliding down the pole outside the football stadium after he got his buyout did you see that no you didn't see that no, I don't know if it was from earlier in the year, but there's a video that went viral this last week of him. He was walking down the stairs and his I think it's where his office is in the stadium. And he's sliding yeah. down. The, he got he got on like a little kid. You know what I'm talking about? They, yeah, they like on the banister. On, yeah. yeah, they hop on the pole and they he slid down like 15 steps on the pole. Someone cut it. I on don't video. imagine that was right after he got fired. I bet that was from another time. I mean, if if I just had a buyout for sixteen million or was it sixteen seventeen million dollars not to coach at yeah. that school, I mean, maybe I might do that too on the way out. Think how bad you have to be messing up though for the school to be like, this is worth seven and a half million dollars over letting you stay here for twenty more days. I don't even like how it's the same thing with Coach O. Like they're literally paying all this amount of money not to coach. Yeah, it's absurd. But I think the thing for Nebraska now, it's like. They need a complete and total rebuild, like tear down and rebuild of everything they're doing, their entire football operation. And I think that's the thing that this deal with Frost maybe showed some people is that the their old way of doing things was not working and that they were going to have to try and change some stuff. But I don't know what that means. Yeah, I have no idea. It's a weird situation. All right. But from the player perspective, how would you feel? <laughs> from the player perspective about him i feel being like fired. Th- now that like hearing these things i'm like man i think i'd be relieved you know i'd be like shit maybe we got some professionals around here now you know i don't even know what i would think as a player at that point you would have to have lost like i don't know i'm just speaking from my perspective if like these things were happening and the coach was showing up late to practice and that kind of stuff i would have absolutely no respect for that guy you know no trust in that person it's just like what we were just talking about like uh with iowa state and and your team like that how do you want to go to fight with that guy if he doesn't even have the accountability to show up at practice on time you know yeah. I, I don't even know if uh, first i mean i would look knowing my individual self i would look at the dollar amount like holy fuck this coach is getting paid this much money yeah and we can't we can't do well here in nebraska like and if that all those accusations are true that he's shown up to late to practice and all these assistant coaches are bitching about his behavior, then I mean I wouldn't go to battle with him. That's for that's for damn sure. No, if you, I mean, even if he walks into your living room and recruits you, I mean, it's no wonder they had so many people going in the transfer portal, you yeah. know, and why their roster was changing every year. No wonder, you know, like I, 
There's just so there's so much potential there. I just don't. I, Nebraska has unbelievable facilities. I just don't know how they can't figure it out. It is un. It's I, I can't even. It's unfathomable to me. It makes no sense. Again, I think it's just a culture thing. Like you have to have good culture before. And as an a, entire athletic department, I think maybe it's improving now, but it just seems like people pull in too many different directions, you know. And there's too many people that are too old school uh, that want things to be that the way that they were. 30 years ago and they don't want to adapt, you know, and they also have a mindset. They've had a mindset of winning championships, like trying to win national championships, which is not realistic. Anybody who is on the outside of it can tell them like, this is not a realistic goal. And I think that's, like I said, Frost was one of their own. Like if anyone was going to win there or before, if you had told me five years ago, who would, would be the ideal replacement to be the head coach in Nebraska? Like it's gotta be Scott Frost, you know? And he was a failure. And I think a lot of those people saw that. It's like, okay, one of our own can't even get this done. We need to get somebody else's ideas in here. Do you think uh, Campbell go is those those uh, rumors are true? I don't think so, man. I mean, I guess they could be. I, I don't I mean, see Matt Campbell having those conversations during the year, knowing what I know about Matt Campbell. And yeah, but that's what I know no, him. I'm sure he's very, very good dude, like everyone knows there, but – Every, I feel like every coach says that, that they're not having these discussions and all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, no, no offense is, to Iowa State, but no. Nebraska's unbelievable amount. Of Here's money what I'll say, though. There. I feel like from his perspective, it's like like we just talked about this. Iowa State, he's been doing this whole rebuild yeah. for, for seven years now. And it's just now getting to where the rebuild is kind of going to like start paying off, you know? And then he can go and rebuild and just go start over at Nebraska, you know, and that to me would be not very appealing, you know, but I mean, yeah, there's, it would be a lot of money and I'm sure there'd be a lot of opportunity, but I think too, that uh, if he'd wanted to leave, I think he'd had a lot of other opportunities to do so at this point, you know, and it's like, I just find it hard to believe Nebraska all of a sudden would be the one you know, that is going to shift, like shift his mind. I find it funny, the difference between the fan bases right now, like Iowa State's coming off an unbelievable winning at Kinnick and everyone's high as can be. Campbell is in rumor mill of having, you know, a coaching job. And then we look over on Iowa social media and there is a, I got to ask you about something. It's a complete meltdown going on right now, Jared. The Bob Stoops and Fran McCaffrey videos. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I wanted to retweet it really, really bad, but it wouldn't look good on my timeline if I retweeted that. Dude, it is, I will say this, the troll that did this, they deserve like an award because it is the funniest, I was literally in tears watching it. As an all-timer, yeah. I was in tears watching it. I don't even care if you're making fun of the guy, like how can you not laugh at that? Do you think Coach McCaffrey knew what he was doing? No, I'm sure he went in the office this morning and saw it go viral and he is doing everything he can to find the guy. And (laughs) (laughs) I just know how his personality is like coach Fran. I'll support you 100%, but how do, how do we get messed up there? Well, now it's on the internet forever. So it's not like it's going to go away, you know? Yeah. (laughs) The funny thing is, like, I'm pretty sure Fran sent a a cease and desist to some of my friends one time for something that they put on their website. So we'll see what he'll do about the cameo. I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I will say this: there's just so much out there in social media that. Oh, it's so dumb, dude. You can get lost. Obviously, I mean, you you know it more than anyone us two know that you just get lost in it. You say one wrong thing. You say one line, I, several times that's happened to me in an interview. I say one line and the reporter runs with that one line and highlights oh that in God. the text. I was doing radio in Omaha last week because of you. Uh, <laughs> yes, we got to talk about that. Because you said that the games are fixed. So now Which they are. They I'm are. answering questions for you all over the place about uh, whether or not you were serious for one. <laughs> uh and then two, which games you thought were fixed. And and then there's like immediately, immediately I posted the video, first response. What about all the games they won too? How many of those ones were fixed? That wasn't the question. Like people don't even listen to the podcast. Like that was that wasn't even the question. It was like amount of times I think it was a how many times we lost because of the game being fixed, correct? I can't even remember. Yeah, probably. 
I, don't I answer it like the amount of games I lost because the game yeah. was fixed. All right. Well, how many of them did you win that were fixed then? 20%. Yeah. That's, the same, that's what I was like. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure if he thinks that 20% of them that they lost were fixed, he probably thinks 20% of the ones they won were fixed too. I was like, are... yeah. No, that was – I. this guy in Omaha is like, I got to ask you about this. And I was like – I was like, well, I don't think the answer is going to be as good as what you are hoping for. But no, that was funny, man. What's your friend's name? Jake Brand, uh, Jack Brand. Oh yeah, Jake. Uh, Jake. Yeah, Jake Brand. Yeah, he. Yeah, uh, he he's good, dude. Yeah. No, he. I'm. I, I think I've talked to him a couple of times. I think he. Uh, everything he I've heard about. He works for Channel him. Thirteen. You know, yeah. You're in Des Moines. He, yeah. First of all, nothing against him. I, I. He's a very respectful guy, I'm sure. But he tweeted at me, or he quote tweeted that video. He goes. A former Hawkeye player said the games were fixed. Yeah. Like, I can't even get the respect of saying this is Jordan Bohan, a former Hawkeye. I just said <laughs> a former Hawkeye player. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe this is like my downturn in my life. I'm known as just a former Hawkeye player. But knowing how Jake is on there, it wouldn't. I I thought he was joking. You know, that's why yeah. I I responded the way I did because no, sure I, I had no problem. I thought that. most people who knew like. I thought it was pretty clear it was a joke, you know? I mean, even though I did take it out of context when I made the clip, but that was, like, on purpose, yeah, you right. know, because it was a joke. Like, I was trying to play up the joke. The thing is, it was, it was a joke, but it was, it's not a joke. It was a joke, but it's not a joke. Come on, man. It, I'm not – I'm serious. You don't you think should... games are fixed? No, I believe that they may be – that there might be some – 20% is an obnoxious number. 20% is an obnoxious number. I was going to go and try and find some closed games and ask you if you thought that they were fixed, but I thought that might be a little over the top. That would be uh, a little too much. I think the better phrase of it would have been the amount of games, not that necessarily that were fixed in one's favor, but fixed for the line. For the line, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, like if there was some free throws that were uh, – 100 yeah. percent has happened no, i remember north dakota my friend we can look back at the tape people can do some digging here north dakota i got i got a flagrant foul i i elbowed this guy in the throat because he was on me at the end of the game we're up like 25 like it's north dakota mm-hmm. i don't remember what the line was but Didn't one of your teammates come from north dakota yeah philip <laughs> um i don't remember the head coach brian jones i think Someone had money on the game on the North Dakota staff. I, I'm more than certain someone had money on the game, North Dakota staff, or one of the refs had money on the North Dakota line or something. They Nicholas Bear got a rebound and he just completely got hacked at the other side on the other side of the basket. And they laid the ball up at the buzzer. And that was the line. Like whatever I can't remember what it was. And we're all just like, oh my God. Because we obviously I mean, you know the what the line is as the player. Right, like right. I don't care if you want to be politically correct or not. Every player knows. There's a viral video of Luca Garza saying it two years ago after we just played a shit team and we won by this certain amount of time and someone hit a half quarter to make, make hit the line. And he it literally got caught on film and it went viral on Barstool. Like it was, it was all a bad over. beat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people people know. You well, can't especially yeah, especially Chris with things too. like bad beats and like on SVP, you know, yeah, like those exactly. things are now famous and it's on the internet all the time when there's it happens like every happens. night. It happens yeah. every night in a sport. Man, all right, no, I'm I'm with you. I think that this could be. I I think that you're probably right that this is. And the, and here's my thing that I've thought about over the last couple of weeks. There are like thousands of college basketball officials. Yep. Think how many college basketball games there are on any given night. hundred there could be, you know, that's 300 officials alone just there in that one night of games. And that's across an entire season. I mean, if you wanted to tell me that 5% of officials were doing this, that's still a lot of college basketball games, but it's not like obnoxious, you know, and it's not, doesn't mean there's like rogue official problems. Are you saying I'm obnoxious? I can't even say the word obnoxious. No, I think I you were being. I, yeah, well, I think twenty percent was an obnoxious. I was being an number, but I think you were hyperbolic. Yes, I was, I was being yeah. an entertainer. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I got what you're. I get what you're doing. I'm, I, you are the one that asked me if I thought that it was real. I'm poking holes in your argument. I'm just trying to make sure that we're covering our bases here, journalistically. Yes. So summary: it was a joke, but it was it wasn't a joke. There was someone. There was another game I was going to ask you about, but I can't even. Uh, I can't remember what it is now. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, this is what I was going to ask you. Did you – it maybe was too early, but the night you missed the free throw on purpose, on the consecutive made free throws streak, yeah. would it have shocked you if someone had gotten mad at you because you altered the line 
when you missed the free throw. Oh, I wouldn't have been shocked at all. It was a, it was at the end of the game too. I'm yeah. curious if we were to go back. I'm curious to see what the line was that game. Like obviously, I'm not saying anything like no, that. Someone absolutely. should have been mad or anything like that. Like I just know that there's someone out there on the internet who would be on an anonymous Twitter account and would be like, "Hey, fuck you, man, for missing that free throw." <laughs> or if it was really close, I had NC officials. Imagine like like I had NC officials knocking on my apartment door the next day. <laughs> That would be like when you took the rug, right? Like they came back and got it. Yeah, they have the rug and they have like all this paperwork of me just fixing games. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, which one do you want to start with first, Jordan? <laughs> what happened with that? Do you still have the rug? I okay. The story gets messed up every time. I don't know how how I said or how I got the rug. I think yeah. it's the, I think it's the interpretation how I tweeted about the rug. But in the tweet, you can specifically say I screenshot Nicholas Bear's snap story. Oh, it's okay. from his snap story. Okay. And so he I, stole the rug. You're he stole the, the fucking blame. rug. Everyone thinks I stole it. Nicholas Bear is the thief. And I, we bring it up all the time. Every time I'm with Bear, we bring it up. I'm like, Bear, when are you gonna just going to come free of all your guilt and just tweet, say, I took the fucking rug? That's what needs – I think that's what needs to happen. He needs to just tweet that. No, like no other context to it. I took the fucking rug. <laughs> I, I took the fucking rug. That was it. You know, people would know probably what it was about. You know, yeah. uh, that thing got so much publicity. I was shocked at, at that. Well, that, that was insane. I, yeah, I remember that being one of those moments where you sit there and you're like, "Are you fucking serious?" Bro? <laughs> like with the NCAA, you know, the funniest, of all things, man. The funniest thing is, it was after we lost to Tennessee. It was that year. And that was like an emotional game. We're in the locker room for like like an hour and a half crying, just bawling because we thought, you know, just obviously we're not soft, but like the amount of work you put in for a season and like all your emotions just hit you at the end of the game or at the end of the year. So like we finally get done. We're all getting dressed and we just start ripping everything off the locker room, like (laughs) wallpaper, like uh, door hangers or the hangers to put clothes on. It was the last game at that site, wasn't it? Yeah, in the last game of the site. We knew that. And we took the name tags. Like, we're ripping stickers off walls. And we have a big-ass cooler that I remember Cordell Pemsel just picks up. He's like, grab the snacks, grab the snacks. (laughs) We all just start pouring snacks in the cooler. He's walking out with a huge cooler. And we get to the final door right before our charter bus, and there's a big NCA logo logo sign right at the door, the final door to go outside. And he just sets the cooler down and rips the sign off. So he has a big-ass sign, a cooler. <laughs> it was the funniest sight ever. It got us a good laugh after losing that game, that's for sure. Man, I can't imagine that they were placed uh, no. by that. Uh, all right. We're waiting for George Niang here. Yeah, he's Fashion. doing big boy jobs right now. I don't know what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about some of our stories here from, uh, from the week. What you got all of these stories. So which ones, which ones should we go through here? You can, you can lead it here. Are we doing dumbass of the week? Yeah, let's do, let's do dumbass of the week here. Okay. Um, I don't know where to start here. I we got to start with the Walmart. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We got to start with Walmart. So this is recently September 12th, 2022. A man in Tennessee is accused of stealing TVs from a Walmart and selling them in the parking lot of that store, according to the incident report obtained by WVLT. Officers responded to a Walmart in Knoxville on 9 p.m. Saturday and found Donald Kirkland in possession of the stolen items, report stated. Police said Kirkland ran from the officers but was eventually taken into custody. Kirkland told the officers he had stolen the TVs, a karaoke machine, and camping equipment from the retail store. It was selling the items in the parking lot. Like how? That's I wish that's I wish level stupid. I wish our audience could see the picture of this guy too, because it'd be like, oh, okay, this looks it's like exactly the kind of person you'd expect to be. Yeah, so uh, that's first dumbass of the week. What uh, man, what do you think you're? What are you doing with the karaoke machine you buy in the? That's Walmart a wider ra- range. I'm a guy of with items. those face tattoos. The, like. The... The worst part is you're out in the parking lot, man. Just go somewhere. Go across the street to somewhere. Well, well who's going to buy the Walmart TV in the parking <laughs> lot when they're at Walmart? Can you imagine he's selling it for like $5 less? Like, that's what I don't understand about this entire thing. I mean, why buy it from the crackhead-looking guy outside? You it's know? unbelievable. The second one, this might be my favorite one. Um I don't know if you saw the viral video. I think it came out last night. 
of the woman projectiling vomiting at Bengals game, the star of week one. Oh, and if you guys, all you guys listening, you guys, please just go and look at this video. It is so damn funny. This girl looks like she has a white claw in front of her and literally pouring white claw out of her mouth. Oh, How do you geez. get that drunk at a football game? At Bengals, I'm looking this up. Oh, you uh, haven't seen this video, have you? No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a live reaction of Jared. when he Oh, I should have just clicked the link, I guess. That would have been the smart thing to do. Uh, no, I have not seen this. Oh, God. I just saw the picture. Ugh. I don't want to look at that anymore. You got, no, you got to watch the video. It's like five seconds. We got to see the live reaction. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. Uh, man, what? How do you get that drunk? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> No one's even helping her. Oh. I feel bad. I don't know what the guy in the front's doing. Is he just disabled? There's like little kids can't... right there, too. Oh, man. That's disgusting, dude. Oh. What are you doing if you see somebody like that? I'm moving. The girl in front is just sitting there. She's taking it. Just taking it. <laughs> She's taking it. Puke to the back. Fuck it. <laughs> That's not even like Go puke, Bengals. Though. That's like pure... Is this not the most Cleveland? Wait, this is oh, this is Bengals, Cincinnati. I mean, I can imagine why she was puking. Did you watch Pittsburgh and Cincinnati the other day? Or she just watched the Iowa offense play. That too. Hey, maybe she got confused. the The Hawkeyes and Steelers do look awfully similar. So, yeah, that's uh, that's something else. How? I mean, that one might not get that. That one I think might be in the running for top dumbass of the year right there. I think. I've been pretty drunk in my life sometimes. I've never been that drunk before that I'm like projectile vomiting. That's right. that's next level, man. I don't know about that one. Man, I mean, have you been sure. to an NFL game before, though? What's that? Have you been to an NFL game before? I've been to one. I've been to a Vikings game. Dude, those people are fucking crazy. Yeah. The people that go to NFL games and go to them like all the time. There's that grill that exploded on, I think, was it uh, the Bengals or the Denver? No, yeah, uh, Miami and New England game. Yeah, Yeah, it exploded like six cars. Someone didn't turn the damn grill off. I'm sure they came back after the game and everything (laughs) just burnt to crisp. Well, it probably didn't help that they'd had like 40 Bud Lights before they went into the game, you know, like, man, you but it's one of those things you go to a college tailgate, those people get drunk. Like, don't get me wrong. But man, the NFL tailgates are something else. I don't know. And then they just keep feeding people alcohol all the way through the third quarter. Especially like the Buffalo fans. I feel like the Buffalo fans are like on a. I want to go to a Buffalo Bills game. I hate, I don't know what it is about the Buffalo Bills. I hate them though. I hate them, but I want to go. I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what it is. I just have never liked them. I don't know. Everybody's picking them to win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, I'll believe Buffalo is going to win the Super Bowl when I see Buffalo win the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I'll tell you what, we played in Buffalo this last NCAA tournament game and I might, I might have like Buffalo fans knocking at my door tomorrow, but I'm gonna say it. Th- that city sucks. Oh, that does not shock me oh at all. My that, gosh. I, I remember when I was looking at the sites when we were thinking about where Iowa State was gonna go, and all it was was, please God, just don't send us to fucking Buffalo. That's what like, we were I always do not saying. Want to go to Buffalo? Of all places, like I, I hate to make it. I'm I hate to make excuses, but first off, we play Sunday night game and we get a Thursday. A lot of traveling. I think we talked about this maybe before, but and then we get stuck in Buffalo. We yeah. can't get like a California or like somewhere a little. Haven't they talked about moving the Big Ten championship game off of like Sunday afternoon because they need of, to. yeah, I, because of how hard it is on the teams? It's. I mean, you hate to make excuses for obviously your own team and teams prior, but I yeah. honestly think that's a huge factor in why Big Ten is having struggle in the NCAA tournament. There is so much going into it in the backside of things just to get ready for a Thursday game or Friday game. When you play that third, late Sunday night game, like you're just Monday and Tuesday, you're not getting anything done because you. Did you even played. go back to Iowa City from yeah. Indianapolis? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. We yeah, got back so at like t- midnight. I was say so you probably yeah you got back at midnight and then probably left on what Tuesday left like, Tuesday early morning yeah yeah it was... yeah that's I, I remember I mean all these times with Iowa State that they've made it it is nice that 
you know, they, even if they win the big 12 title or whatever, it's like everybody gets back home on, on Sunday and then they watch the selection show together and all that stuff. It's an off day, you know, yeah. and it's like not near as hectic as I imagine as it, as it is when you play a game right before. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before Niang, Niang should be coming on any second. What okay. do you, uh, what are you expecting out of this guy? Have you, have you interviewed him before or talked to him? I'm assuming you've oh, talked to him before. Yeah. Yeah. George was uh me and George were actually in the same class at Iowa state. So Ooh. when I was uh, a student working, covering the team, I interviewed him a bunch of times and then he knows Chris well too, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know what I'm going to expect from him. Sometimes when you get him, he's, he's like spitting fire and sometimes, you know, he's kind of chill. So yeah. I guess I we're going to have to wait and see which version we're going to get. Let, I imagine you'll bring the spitting fire out of him. Well, it's funny. Well, there speaking, he is. Speaking speak of the devil. devil. It's George <laughs> Niang. Spitting fire is right. Why is it so dark over there? Turn the light on. Hey, listen, pal, you don't get to say anything after this week. <laughs> How are you doing, George? I'm doing good. And actually, I got a chance to listen to the podcast before I got on because I like, like to do a little, um, you know, research. Yeah. And um, J-Bo, what is this you felt like you got screwed out of 20% of your college games? Did you really think you were going to go 150 and 0? I mean, I know all Hawkeye fans like think that way, but I mean, first of all, I I played more than 150 games, so I think it was 179. <laughs> I looked it up, what? which is even even crazier, honestly. He did like four victory laps. You don't you don't think uh, games are fixed? No, I don't think they're fixed. But I think the reasons why you guys lost is because you have that mentality. Ooh, and. I mean, I hate to say this because it, like, it's going to cause some controversy, but I don't think your coach is very well liked. So I'm sure refs weren't, you know, too keen of giving him like a good whistle, especially when he turns like beat red and is like cussing them out. Wouldn't you say though, that's like a type of fixing though, when refs have grudges against coaches? Nah, I mean, I really don't think they're out there like trying to like screw anybody like i think everybody misses calls just like i miss rebounds and box outs and stuff like that but you know i, I wouldn't say i, I thought 20 percent was pretty high but you know i had to check you on that as soon as i got on here don't worry we've already talked about it yeah yeah we were just talking about it there were a lot of people who took something that way serious way more serious i was doing like radio interviews in omaha and stuff people asking me if he was serious that 20 percent of his games that he lost were fixed so. wow that's a that's tough tough crowd. Well, he texted me and he's like, "Dude, we got people in Omaha like reacting to your quote." I'm like, "Bro, did they realize like what I was saying was really exaggerated and we're like just trying to be funny?" Like no one, everyone just takes a clip and they're like, "Run with it." That's the worst. Which yeah, is why we did it though. How did you uh, how did you enjoy the game on Saturday? Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, it was. It was tough to watch at some points, but, you know, the better team just grinded it out, you know, and we grinded it out at their game. You know, that slow, fucking annoying, like, hold the ball, win 7-4, and we beat them at their game. Do you think, actually, Iowa State's good this year or is Iowa just really bad? Uh, I think Iowa State's defense is, like, because don't get it twisted. Like, Iowa's defense is actually, like, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, offensively, they're – so for us to, you know, like go through all of that, turning the ball over, and then be able to, you know, make something happen towards the end, I mean, both teams are making mistakes. And the fact that, you know, we had enough grit, toughness, you know, all those things to pull it out, you know, Cyhawk trophy's coming home. Were you nervous at all when they uh, lined up to kick that last field goal? Man, hell yeah! You got you got to talk. You got to tell Jared what happened. So you, so you, uh, like someone tweeted out about the podcast, and I like quote tweeted, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this should be a ton of fun." And then that twenty yard penalty happened. I like slammed to delete it, and then they missed the field goal, and then I, I like fired it back up again. I was like, "Whoa." I texted that, him right after I saw him delete it because I, I was about to reply and I, and I saw it, he deleted the tweet. I'm like, bro, you backpedal on that really quick, didn't you? <laughs> All yeah. it took was one one flag for everything to to change really really quick. They called yeah. like 
what was what was the penalty and then uh unsportsmanlike conduct i was like oh my god yeah they they called offsides on mj anderson which or they said he lined up in the neutral zone which i think was a stretch to begin with but uh god forbid we have some fucking discretion right like with as the officials it's like they just think they won the game like what do you expect i mean they don't even know that the flag's out there you know but but then again like we had some calls what was it like the pass interference or whatever some of those calls yeah. I was like, oh. well and then the one on the sideline where he got pushed out of bounds was probably borderline you know that was a tough one too like, yeah I, that was like a jerk off move like you know he was going out of bounds and you gave him like an extra yeah and know. then i I mean, those sidelines at Kinnick are so small, too, that when someone goes flying out of bounds, like they're flying into a shit ton of people, you know? Yeah. And yeah. He, st- he still was run out of bounds, though. Like, you got to be smart, like, especially in a hostile environment. I don't even know why you would do that. Yeah, that was a, that was, like I said, that was a dickhead play. I mean, I don't even like, like, talking shit to uh, college kids. <laughs> really? <laughs> we got to clip that one. We're clipping that one. <laughs> Um, no i just do i mean honestly like we're getting off topic but i just do it for like fun there's no like serious like ill will or maliciousness towards it and sometimes i catch heat where it's like close the yearbook niang like i'm like so stupid have a little fun like holy how's that any different than any normal person talking about the cyhawk rivalry any other iowa state alum talking about it that's i mean that's where People are, oh man, some people are just so thin skinned, you know, and it's like, that's the thing. Like I've talked to Jordan about this a lot. A lot of Iowa state fans hate Jordan. (laughs) A lot of them, you know? Yeah. You see what the fuck fuck he did? That whole (laughs) sign in the fucking shoes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they, and they're all. And all I did was blow a kiss. This guy fucking signed his shoes. Like he was fucking Walter Payton. And a bunch of them took (laughs) it really serious. Like thought that that was like a, a really like disrespectful thing, you know? And that just is the kind of stuff that it's just like with some fans, it doesn't matter who they're a fan of. You're and and I, I ended up man. donating, I ended up donating like all that money to Children's Hospital too. And I still get shit for that. But I did want to ask you this. And I'm glad we brought this up because we've talked about this before. Like the drama that we cause, I mean, obviously we've, we've created a friendship over it too, but like everyone, <laughs> everyone takes it so damn serious. Like what we're doing is like, we're, we're killing someone at that point. Like, that's what that's how they take it. I'm like, bro, yeah. just fucking relax. Yeah. At some point, it just becomes laughable where, you know, it's like, dude, at the end of the day, like, if you can't laugh and take a joke and, like, understand that someone's just talking shit to get you riled up. And then when the it always goes overboard when they try to, like, take it personal. It's like, yeah, dude, like, I'm going to wake up and go live my life like. I'm enjoying this rivalry. This is good and healthy for the rivalry. Like you don't need to take it there, but if you're going to take it there, like I'll drag this on and keep throwing jabs and, and leave it like that. But yeah, no, it's it, sometimes it gets over the top, but some of the stuff is like what the, some of the stuff that people come up with is like hilarious. Like one dude was like, you're st- you'll still always be like a fat slob and this, that, and the other. And Damn. Like, Holy shit. Why I got to be all that? Right. That's it's like, man, you could at least try and be original if you're going to be mean, you know? Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, yeah. I ran into your boy, Matt Thomas in the press box up uh, at Kinnick stadium. I don't know what the hell he was doing in the press box, but he was walking around in there. How the hell did he get in the press box? I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. Can't hide money. Can't hide money up there. Yeah. No right. kidding, yeah. man. Actually there was one, like the reason why I don't go back to Kinnick is, Literally, when they were doing construction, I think it was like Hakeem Butler. It was Hakeem Butler's last year. I don't know what year. Yeah, 2018. And uh, so I'm trying to, like, squeeze around and, like, get in the stadium. And, you know, they were doing, like, construction. And I, like, squeeze around someone. And some dude, like, took, like, a swing at me. And I was with, like, my uncle and a couple of his buddies. And they just, like, grabbed him. And I was like, see, this is why, you know, I just need to just chill and not – be in uh iowa city because i'm dodging haymakers and i watched i don't think i don't think anyone would try and fight you in the press box at least if you could get up there if you can get that matt thomas money apparently (laughs) i don't have those funds for that (laughs) how are things going in philadelphia man 
Oh, they're great. Uh, you know, I just got back here. So working out with the team, you know, those lovely con preseason conditioning drills and uh, pick up that lasts for an hour and a half because someone's mad that, you know, they lost the last game and then it just goes back and forth for a while. I do have a question. I This kind of reminded me of it because um, you played on a couple of teams now and you're on your yeah. Philly. It's your second year in Philly, right? Yep. Yeah. So who, who's been your least favorite person in the NBA and why has it Ben Simmons? <laughs> Honestly, uh, <laughs> really, wow. You're really going to try to set me up on your own podcast. Way to get clicks. Love that. <laughs> um, Got to get the uh, aggregators. Uh. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't even think I have any, like, ill will towards him at this point. I actually hope he gets the help that he can get because it honestly seems like it was a little more serious than what people gave him credit for. Um, but, I mean, he just was like, you know, when you want to be a part of a team, he didn't want to be a part of it, our team. And, obviously, it affected us. Um, you know, we were playing without a superstar. Um, so, obviously, I felt some type of way, especially during the year. But, you know, He's moved on, we've moved on, and it basically is what it is. I mean, obviously, when we play them, it's going to be like war. But until then, it is what it is. What's it like playing with Joel Embiid? Oh, play, a lot I like better playing, than playing against him? I was going to say, I like playing alongside of him. I don't enjoy uh, playing against him, that's for sure. I remember when he came to Hilton, man, and uh, with Wiggins. That team was – those guys were something else, man. That was the first Big 12 game I ever covered, and I remember watching him from the baseline. I was like, holy shit, this guy's a whole different kind of cat out here. Yeah, he's like 35 pounds heavier and, like, has way more skill now. It's actually – he's a beast. And the fact that he's, like, that size and can do guard stuff and is has a jumper, fade away, like, that stuff is impressive, like, really impressive. I saw you were, uh, was it last year? You were on JJ Reddick's podcast. Yeah. Dude, he, first of all, that podcast is phenomenal. Dude, I have so much, I had so much fun listening to that shit. He's like so knowledgeable about the game. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I think the best thing that he does, he like actually, like with his words, can paint an actual picture and then like changes his pitches to like get you lured in. And he was like, in fact, you know, and you're just yeah. like, Locked in on the podcast. What you uh you don't think Kendrick Perkins is as good at that on ESPN as what JJ is? Oh man, Kendrick Perkins. Y'all better keep a cool booty. Oh man, he's uh he has what it he, like people. What does he always say at the end? Carry on, carry on. People come at him like kind of crazy too. Like his his hate is real. Or not real, but like crazy. Like because NBA players, like, really launch off at him. Like, him and KD, like, that's, like, been kind of wild. Who's the most out-of-pocket NBA uh, media oh, Patrick person? Patrick Beverly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know if we, I don't know if we count him. Obviously, he – yeah, he is a pretty out What do you mean? Well, I mean he, did you see what he did on ESPN? That was, like – Yeah. That was, like yeah. – how crazy he – first of all, he's got this new podcast at the bar, so I already know that's going to be fucking insane. And then he's got – uh. He's with the Lakers now. How crazy is that? After all the shit he talked. <laughs> like, am I wrong if I low-key wonder if his personality might work well with there, where he might hold some people accountable? Uh, I, I think he's the a kind winner. Of guy he is. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's a winner. Like, come yes. on. Like, he added that edge to Minnesota. Like, as much as people are like, oh, he didn't do – like, he, he bring, instills confidence in people to, like, bring out the dog in them. Like, that counts for right. something. You know? Well, that's what I was talking to my friend tonight. I was like, man, I think the last thing that anybody should have wanted is someone who's going to go in there and like fire up LeBron, you know, or even Anthony Davis, like to keep him on the floor, you know, he gets them playing. It could be one of two ways. He either gets them playing or they're like, all right, shut up, dude. You know, yeah. so Are you excited to play against Monte twice this year or four yeah. times, I guess, even actually, yeah. right down the street. I actually got to give him a holler, see where he's living down there. It's only like a two hour drive. So. If uh, we're alone for Christmas, I'm going to tell him he needs to bring my Christmas gifts over here. <laughs> he makes a lot more money than me, so I, I'm not going to be buying him any Christmas gifts. Man, we got to get George Niang, Monte Morris, and Matt Thomas money at this point, man. This is an uphill. No, you really need to get is that Keegan Murray money. God oh, damn. yeah. 
Tyrus Halliburton money even at this point too. You know what? Yeah, next summer. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. All right, buddy. We uh we appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. George, it's always a pleasure. Got you party, party you are, yeah, yeah, you already know. Like I respect the hell of you, man. I appreciate you and everything you did for the rivalry. I try to I try to step in your shoes. Everyone everyone always says that, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. You did you did a solid job. I mean, you'll always be number two, but you did a solid job. Wait, wait. First off, I think I had a better record, and I don't think you can top. I think I topped your kiss with the shoes. Man, I mean, you if you probably sat out a um, a good amount of time in your off time to think of that one because creative. <laughs> but the Fair kiss enough. was just like a a spur of the moment. You like had that queued up. I did. It was. I, I had it in my notepad and my phone. I had it all. <laughs> what I'm <gonna> do. <laughs> <laughs> I credit. I give credit when credit is due. That was that was tough. Yeah, cost uh, me a little bit, but hey, I ain't mad at it. <laughs> I appreciate you though, for real. Uh, you guys take it easy. Yeah, yeah, take it easy, George. All right, man, that was good stuff. He's awesome, dude. He's always hey, funny. He's such a good dude, and I, I I I always felt like that's an important thing too. Like everyone thinks we hate each other for whatever reason. Like, he's a good-ass deal. I mean, we talk all the time. We text all the time. Like, I can't imagine why people would think that you guys would hate each other. <laughs> well, it's just the same thing, like, with us. Like, before we started this podcast, I feel like. like well, you did like, say you don't like me. You did say that on uh, on yeah. Twitter the other, at, like, 3 in the morning the other night. <laughs> I, had, I had Drake playing. My lights were dim. And I was oh, like. Geez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I just got back. I got I got back from uh, Iowa City. Drove straight to the bar and uh, hung out with my friends for a little bit. And yeah, I was up uh, celebrating. I suppose you could say. How'd you make it back through the construction? Because I know that construction is a bitch. No, dude. What actually sucked, man, was there was a. You know, I hope nobody got hurt in this, but there was a big accident on I eighty West, oh, and damn. we sat, man, like probably. 25 30 minutes outside iowa city but before you get to like uh brooklyn or anywhere like that and uh it was we probably sat there for an hour and just sat there and waited you couldn't didn't see, even move at all no you couldn't see anything even if you did move it was just like a little bit forward you couldn't even see what was going on you could just see where they had one side of the road closed and then it, there's just hundreds of cars trying to get through on i-80 Damn. So, yeah, that made it to where the trip was like two and a half hours. Dude, it's crazy. The last two times I've gone to Iowa City now, it was last. It was this last weekend, and then the time before that was when you guys played Iowa State during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there you were was at that blizzard. game? Yeah, yeah, I was like one of like 25 people there. Uh, but there was a, a blizzard after that game, yeah. and I drove back through the blizzard, and it was like two o'clock in the morning, and I could hard and like the snow was almost up to the bottom of my car, like right when I got to Newton, and a snowplow pulled on just as I was getting past Newton. When I was like, "Man, this shit's getting kind of dangerous," and I was able to cruise on home with the snowplow. But man, that was treacherous. So I need to stop for- going to Iowa City because apparently this always turns into a whole ordeal. I forgot about that game because I think we won. We won by a lot that game. Yeah. And- yeah. We had I, – I remember we're walking – first off, Carver needs to fix this because both teams walk in the same tunnel. We've had numerous games where people – it happened, I think it was Portland State. Guys were pounding on our locker to try to get into the locker to fight us for whatever reason. I have no idea what happened. I was just chilling in the meeting room. And that, that, that happened at Iowa State too because we're walking down the, the side – yeah, the time when uh, who was it? Michael Jacobson. Who would he get into? Cordell Pencil? No, that was that was June. That was my junior year. That yeah. happened. It happened that day. They didn't try to break in that time. But the second, this senior, my first of like seventeen senior years <laughs> during COVID, they yeah. tried to. I can't think of who it was. Um, but we're they were talking shit as because both teams is huddling up right before the game too. It'll go out. And yeah. then halftime, you come in at the same time. And at the end of the game, you come at the same time. So people were drawn back and forth in the tunnel the whole entire – before the game and the halftime. And then at the end of the game, one of the Iowa State players tried to like um, – there was like a huge like pile. Like a bunch of people were in there. Like we had guys leaving the locker room and go outside, like try to fight and stuff. Like it was insane. And we had to get – the cops came. We had to get separated, and we had to get, like – Damn, I did up. not know about any of this. Because it was Damn. kept quiet. No one knew. Yeah. It was kept quiet this entire time. Yeah. Jeez. 
I got a text like Connor and, and Patrick to remember the the dude that um because he was he was mostly the one talking shit to a couple of us and obviously I'm gonna draw back and then a couple of the bigger guys had my back so they're gonna man you know, there's not a lot of they didn't have much room to stand on at that time no but it's uh, like the talk. more of a the more of the concept is like why the hell would both teams be going on the same tunnel at the end of the game right. like emotions are crazy they are doing a bunch of work to the arena aren't they it looked like they were doing something when i was driving by there not that i know of (laughs) there's a big hole in the ground i was gonna say i don't know they're doing something they're building the wrestling arena connected to carver right there oh okay yeah i was gonna say they were doing there was a big old hole in the ground i was like oh i didn't know they're doing anything here uh Yeah. yeah okay well hopefully they'll fix the tunnels then for you sometime i mean i guess it won't matter for you but uh in the future well, so nobody might no come more back fights in the apparent fights man i should <laughs> somebody's gonna do some investigative journalism about this now and get to the bottom of this support apparent fight the 2020 covid game between iowa and iowa state when i would i think you guys won by like 45 points so i'm surprised no one wrote about it because i mean it's pretty loud in the tunnel like there's a lot of people in there someone had to read record it or something i mean no one was there like the media couldn't even go back there you know we couldn't even go down there into the media room or anything like that it was just you had to stay in your seat and that was it you know yeah yeah man that's wild all right man we'll talk to you next week though that was good stuff yep thanks everybody for listening iowa everywhere